Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you that you are present among us. We thank you, Lord, that you promise to be with us wherever we gather. And we thank you that your presence among us comes to us with a word. Uh, words of promise, words of eternal life, words of truth. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that this word would penetrate us, that we would be transformed by your word to live the journey of this life, trusting and believing in you. And Lord, we know that the journey is difficult, that the journey is wrought with danger and hardships, but Lord, we thank you that you are the one who promises to deliver us from evil. So as we learn today what it means to pray, deliver us from evil, I pray that you would even be doing that now in our midst. So open our eyes, open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have been going through a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Today we come to that position, petition, deliver us from evil, deliver us from evil. What does it mean to pray, deliver us from evil. Life is a journey, and as we journey through life, there indeed are many dangers. There is, there is evil that we encounter. Some of the best stories include a journey. Think of some of your favorite movies. Some of your favorite movies probably include a journey. One of my favorite stories of a journey is in the 1986 movie, Stand By Me. What do you see that movie, Stand By Me? In this coming of age story, four boys about to enter junior high set out on a journey. The pathway is railroad tracks. The setting is the late 1950s. The soundtrack is incredible. So they set out on a journey to find to find the body of a missing boy. They figured it out. They figured out where he was. And so they set out on this journey to find this boy's body. And they thought that their picture would be put in the newspaper if they were the ones who discovered it. On their adventure, they, they encounter danger. The danger of a junkyard dog named Chopper. Um, leeches. How many of you remember the leech scene? You gotta love that scene. I don't care how old you are. Anybody can identify with boys swimming in a pond and being covered with leeches when they come out. A frightening train trestle as the locomotive is steaming down across the trestle and they're in the middle of the trestle. And also the internal struggles of growing up in a small town that doesn't have much to offer for misfit boys. And throughout the movie, there's this threat of bullies, these teenage boys that can drive. But the most formidable danger they face is the reality of death, confronting death. And the story doesn't end on an upbeat note. At the end, they encounter death. Ray Brower's dead body. In the Stephen King novel, which the movie's based upon, the lead character reflects upon the experience of facing death. 
He writes, the kid was dead. He wasn't sick. The kid wasn't sleeping. Uh, The kid wasn't going to get up in the morning anymore or catch poison ivy or wear out the eraser on the end of his number two pencil during a hard math test. Kid was dead. You see, the story, Stand By Me, is a story really about facing death. But the story offers absolutely zero hope in the face of death. Zero hope in the face of death. Today, at the beginning of our service, we read Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is a song. It's a song of a journey. This song reflects upon real danger. It contemplates even the reality of possible death. But Psalm 21 promises God's protection, God's presence on the journey. And the psalm reflects upon the promise of not only God's presence on the journey, it also reflects upon the promise of everlasting life. For us, when when this life's journey ends, there is the promise of life everlasting. So today we're going to dive into Psalm 121. I know the bulletin says that my sermon text is Revelation 21. We'll talk about that at the end of the sermon. But first, Psalm 121. But before we dive into it, I want to remind you of something very important. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not promised an easy life. I cannot promise you that your life is going to go easy, that everything is going to go well. Listen to what Jesus said before he went to the cross. In John 16.33, Jesus says this, In this world, you will have trouble. Have you experienced that? In this world, you will have trouble. The journey of life, the journey of life, always threatens trouble. Just think of this, it only takes one, one tiny microscopic virus to turn your life completely around. So where can we look for help? To where do we look on the dangerous journey of life? Psalm 121. What does the psalmist say? He says, I lift my eyes to the hills. And he asks a very important question. From where does my help come? What does he say? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the one who wrote the psalm was on a journey. Headed to Jerusalem, headed towards the hills. The pathways were dangerous. The foot could slip off the path and into a a dangerous situation. The sun could cause dehydration or sunstroke. And the nighttime was not safe along the pathway to Jerusalem. So the psalmist, the one who wrote this psalm, was profoundly aware of danger along the path. The psalmist was also profoundly aware of where his help was found. 
His help was found in the Lord. The Christian walks through danger daily. But did you know that you, Christian, are well-armed? You are well-armed. Your your armor is, is God himself who surrounds you with his presence. So the psalmist says he looks to the hills because that's the location of the holy sanctuary of God. The psalmist knows that the Lord dwells with his people in the assembly of the faithful. The psalmist knows that his people, that his people are surrounded by God. Not only does he dwell in Jerusalem in the temple, but the psalmist knows that that God also dwells with him along the path. And we understand that God is a God who dwells with his people. He is with his people. We understand this as Christians who trust in Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, right? He is the Word made flesh who made his what? His dwelling among us. So he is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and he is the one who dwells with us. God has always wanted more than anything for us to dwell with him and for him to dwell with us. That's what God wants for us. He wants to be in fellowship with us. He wants to be with us. Not only did God dwell with humanity in his tangible presence in Jerusalem's temple and in his tangible presence in Jesus, he dwells with us today in the power of the Holy Spirit. So now we are the temple of God's spirit. He dwells within us. And who is this God who remains with us through life's dangers? He is the God who dwells with us, but he is also, he is also the one who made heaven and earth. So we have the creator of, of the cosmos with us. He is the one who created the universe by the word of his mouth. We don't know everything about the origins of the universe, but we do know that out of nothing, the universe was created by the word of Christ. He spoke, and the universe came into being. It is just mind-boggling to consider how vast this universe is. And this God who created it is with us along the journey of life. Not only did the Lord create everything, we also learn from the scriptures that in him all things hold together. So not only did he create it, he also holds this universe together. You see, if God no longer held this universe together, it would just spin out of control and into oblivion. But God is holding it together according to the scriptures. So if he made heaven and earth, and if he's holding everything together... Why doubt his ability to hold you together? You felt it. You've said it. God, everything's coming apart. Everything in my life is coming apart. Have you said that before? Have you been there? Do not fear. God is holding you together. Yeah, the circumstances of life might be coming apart. 
but God is holding you. He's with you. So the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, the psalmist is aware of the reality that God knows, that God is aware, that he is awake. He sees everything. He never sleeps. He's always watching over you. Isn't that amazing? You see, I know what it means to doubt this reality. So often I doubt it. I'll say something like, God, do you really know what I'm going through in my life right now? God, it feels like I'm slipping and I can't hold on for much longer. Where are you? Are you aware? Are you awake? Do you really know what's happening to me? From the scriptures, we learn that the Lord knows. He knows. He's holding on to you. He'll never let go of you. And I'm so grateful that the reality of God in my life, the reality of his presence of, in my life, the reality of his protection over my life is not dependent upon my feelings. If God was only there when I felt him, I'd be in big trouble. He's keeping, he is keeping me when I feel his presence and when I don't even believe it. He is keeping me. He doesn't sleep. I can only offer, offer a limited amount of availability to help other people. Believe it or not, the pastor can't be everywhere at once and help every single person. Hope you believe that. But God does. And God can. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your what? He's your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. I love the imagery of, of shade. I'm the type of guy that likes shade. I know some of you are sun worshipers. But I would rather be sitting in the shade under a big maple tree on a hot day than sitting out in the sun. And I don't know why people do that. They're just crazy. Give me a place where there's shade. Let me sit there. Let me take a nap there, and I'm a happy man. Did you know that we live in the protective shade, in the protective shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ? Today, you're in the shadow of the cross. It's interesting. In order for there to be shade, for there to be shade, there has to be something else that takes the heat. You ever thought, thought about that before? In order for there to be shade, there's something else that has to take the heat. Jesus is the one who took the heat for you. He took the heat for you. He died for your sins upon the cross. 
He paid for your sins. He suffered in your place for you so that you can rest today in his grace and in his mercy. So verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night, which speaks of the dangers that come by night. Many people are afraid the sun goes down. And they're afraid. There's no need to fear the night. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And for how long? Forevermore. Forever and ever. For eternity. We can't even begin to, to wrap our minds around the concept of eternity. So he will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the Lord promises to keep you. He promises to keep you. You might not be spared from dangerous circumstances, but the Lord promises to keep your life through danger. Let's think through things a little bit. Let's make this practical. I have a list of important things in my life. What's important to me? Well, my Lord is important to me. My family is important to me. My church is important to me. My food is important to me. Don't, take, don't mess with my food. My home is important to me. I like to have a comfortable home, a place to lay my head. My health is important to me. may not look like it, but it is. My entertainment and recreation are important to me. How many of you would say, yeah, these are some things in my life that are important to me? Yeah. And you have to take one of them away. Okay, so look at that list. You have to take one of them away. Which one do you take away? You can't have it anymore. Which one of them do you take away? Think about it. How many of you are experiencing a little, little uh, pain uh, in saying, I have to take that away and I can never have that again? Now you have to take another one away. You can't have that anymore. You can't have it anymore. What did you just take away? Can you imagine not having that in your life? It has to go. You can't have it. Now you have to take away another thing. You can't have that anymore. Which one would you take away? What three are missing in your life right now? Now you have to take another one away. Which one do you choose? Does it hurt a little more now? Is it difficult? Is it painful? How many have we taken away? We've taken away what? Four? Take another one away. Is it getting more difficult? And now I'm going to ask you, I think we've taken away one, two, three, four, five. You have to take one more away. Which one do you take away? can't have it anymore. How does it feel? 
How does it feel? One of my favorite hymns is Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And the one stanza that I love is found in the Lutheran service book. I don't think it's found in our hymnal, but it's found in the Lutheran service book. It's one thing that abides forever. God's word forever shall abide. No thanks to foes who fear it, for God himself fights by our side with weapons of the spirit. Now listen to this. Were they to take our house? Were they to take our house, our goods, honor, child or spouse? Though life, that is your physical life, though your life be wrenched away, they can't win the day. Why? Because one thing stands forever and ever, the kingdom, your Lord and his kingdom. It is the one thing that stands forever. You know, go back to that list on, on uh, the PowerPoint. Go back one slide. I, go, I visit people in, in the nursing home. As people age, think about it. What have they lost? For many of them, they've, they've lost their, their family. Their family doesn't come and visit them. I remember go visiting one lady from our church, not this church, but the church in, in, when I pastored in New York. I went and visited her, and it was probably about two weeks after Christmas, and I saw in the corner of her room a stack of Christmas presents wrapped. She had taken the time and spent the money to buy her family Christmas presents and they never came to saw her, see her. Uh, they can't go to their church anymore. Uh, obviously, they're, they're eating terrible food because I've actually eaten nursing home food. <laughs> they can't live in their home anymore. Obviously, their health is at such a point that and they're not, they're not doing the things that they love to do. They love to travel. They love to, uh, to do certain things, to go fishing or whatever. But they have one thing. What do they have? They have the Lord. And that is the thing that holds them together. Everything can be taken from you, but if you have the Lord, you have everything that you need. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lay aside all those other things. They may be good, but, but what is most important, what is most crucial, it is the Lord. You see, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What does the forevermore look like? What does the forevermore look, at, look like? I'd like for you to stand today as we read together Revelation 21, 1 through 7. You're on a journey today. It might look like the journey ends in death, like a Stephen King novel without any hope, but it doesn't. In the storyline of Scripture, the Lord promises you nothing but life. Christianity is life from death. Life 
from death. What does this life from death look like? Verse 1 of Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Oh, this is so good. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. End of reading. What are we praying when we pray that petition? Deliver us from evil. We're praying that promise. We're praying for our ultimate deliverance from this journey into eternal life with him. We're also praying today when we pray, deliver us from evil, we're also praying Psalm 121. Lord, be with me. God, protect me. He is a good God. Trust in him today. Believe in his promises. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you indeed are present with your people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would assure each and every individual who is here today in your presence of that reality. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out these doors. We have no idea because the journey is wrought with danger. But we walk with confidence today because we know that you are with us. So give this reality, give this faith, give this confidence to your people today. And I pray that that if anybody in here does not have that assurance that they will dwell with you for all of eternity, I pray that they'll ask somebody, how can I know that I will dwell with God for eternity? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.